Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. Did you think your guys played angry, and did you want them to play angry after Draymond got ejected? I think we were – I don't know that we were angry. I just thought we were determined. Um, you know, we, we knew that was a, a tough break that didn't go our way, and, and um, we were all kind of shocked by the decision. Um, but um, we were confident and uh, determined, and, and the guys stayed with it. I mean, we knew it was a hard foul, playoff foul. Um, Draymond gets fouls like that all the time. Personally, I didn't think it was going to be a flagrant two, um, and especially, you know, throwing out, throwing him out in the first half. I didn't think it was going to happen, but I mean, you know, that's what they called, and uh, we did a really good job of uh, fighting all game. Now let's now let's really talk about what everyone's here for. What you know, what everyone wants to talk about, which is me getting ejected for. <clears throat> I'm not quite sure for what, but um, for a foul. Um, very interesting one. You know, you know, one thing about that foul is I actually tried to hold him up. And I was, well, I wasn't told anything because I left the court. But guys were told I was, I was ejected for throwing him down, which was very interesting because... I mean, even once he hit the ground, I still was holding his jersey up. But, I mean, at this point, I kind of expect things like that. Like, I've been suspended from game five of the NBA Finals. Do you you think I, for one second, don't believe I would get kicked out of game one of the second round? Not surprising to me at all. Not, not, Not one bit. I am dumb enough to think that it would not even be a flagrant one that, you know, the the playoffs are a little tougher and not as soft as the regular season, you know, and that, um, <clears throat> you know, you can, you can bump a little more and you get away with a little more, you know, like, but, you know, we've seen questionable calls in the first, first round, some things that didn't get reviewed. And, um, yeah, I guess it, you know, sometimes I guess it's just a case by case thing. It's, you know, it's a reputation thing. I think tonight, uh, was probably a reputation, a reputation thing more so than, um, a hard foul. I'll answer the question that was posed to Steve Kerr. I'm angry. I'm angry. You know, a lot of times in sports, conversations around sportsmanship or unsportsmanlike conduct or excessive celebrations or taunting all comes back to what about the kids? What about the children? What are we supposed to tell the kids? Kids are watching. Kids are watching that yesterday. And there are kids that are growing up in America today that don't know what a playoff foul is. They don't know what a hard foul is, Michael. 
What are we doing to the next generation of basketball players? I have a 14 U basketball team that I'm trying to coach. I got a son that I'm trying to make it to a three and D player. I got a son that I'm saying play like Draymond Green. Better yet, he might be Clay Thompson. He had three threes yesterday as we won a, uh, a championship yesterday. No, not bragging. It was the players, wasn't me. Yeah, but I was nonetheless, say, I'm just of, saying. Yeah, you are bragging. Yeah, those yeah, the players. Are. All the credit. All the credit goes to the players. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, all the credit goes to the players. Okay, because I'm just wailing and yelling. I don't know what I'm talking about, as you know. Bottom line is, what has happened to us? I am that old man yelling at clouds. Yelling, yeah. get off my lawn today. Yelling, turn down that public enema. <laughs> you know, this, right. because I'm just right. like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> we have gone too far with every damn file being reviewed and, and examined for 10 minutes to see if a man swiping down for the ball who happens to catch Brandon Clark's face in the process, then grabbing catching Jersey and then trying to catch Brandon Clark before he hits the ground being assessed a flagrant two for throwing him down. Yeah, come on. I it just well, I, I, I lost I lost sleep last night because how am I supposed to tell my kids no easy baskets. That's what the playoffs supposed to be. You and I came up at a time Michael when that was a common foul. That wasn't even a conversation for flagrant one, let alone flagrant two. I got to say I got to say, uh, first of all, congrats on the championship, coach. Um, so, uh, c- congrats to you and your players, players' families, putting in the sacrifices and doing the things necessary to win a title. All right? It takes all of us. It takes a village. I'm going to tell you this. And you can't I win spent, in spite of your coach, just so you know. I spent, I know that. <laughs> yes, you can. Um, I spent part of the weekend, so I don't know why I just got kind of got caught I was watching the 1969 NBA Finals Game 7 Celtics versus Lakers. Jerry West, MVP, even though they lost 42 points in Game 7. They lose. Then I moved on to 1988 Lakers versus Pistons Game 7 at the Forum. Triple-double for big game James Worthy. Old school basketball. So I appreciate the old school. I'm watching these games going back and forth like, oh, man, why'd you take that shot? That's not a foul. I say all that to say this. Yes, I did come up watching basketball the way it's supposed to be played, but I'm not outraged by that call. I'm not outraged by that ejection because what you just said, your description of the play and Draymond Green's description of the play doesn't quite match how Memphis saw it doesn't quite match how the officials saw it and I looked at it like two or three times and I see their point I see their point see Draymond's like oh I was holding them up yeah 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 it's like one of those things it's like KG used to do this KG used to do this thing right right here it was it's, it's a brilliant move he come in real close to a guy he give him an elbow then do like this oh oh, oh what, what? no 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 I ain't touching no man I saw the elbow. So Draymond, yeah, at the end, once you got caught, maybe you, oh, I, I'm ho- see, I'm holding him up. I'm holding the jersey up. Yes, he deserved to be ejected for no other reason than you've done stuff like that before. And yes, your reputation, your reputation does precede you and you have to That's pay the consequences in. for who you, yes, it does factor in. Yes, it does. As it should. Oh, no, no. As it should. Look, you keep doing Why? you keep 
doing the same things over and over, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. Coach, tell your players this, that. Well, wait, tell your this, players is that, coach. Same, is this the same thing? Because listen, I was as hard on anybody. Oh, excuse me. I was as hard as anybody on Draymond Green for kicking people in the nuts. Okay. Yeah. I, I, going, that was going, a little I, thing I, he I, had no. going. Yeah, he went through this phase. Okay. So I am not, and I'm not, I'm not a gym. I like Draymond Green. I like his game. I like who he is off the court as well. But there are a lot of things about Draymond Green, a player that do annoy me. But I don't see how you look at that play and say, well, oh, since it's Draymond Green, we got to give him a flagrant two. Okay, Michael, I'll, I, the government will stipulate. I'll even meet you halfway and say, all right, flagrant one, if you really want to uh, assign, you know, un, 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 uh, lack of necessity to it. But flagrant two and an ejection? For that? Yeah. You know I what? Mean, that, that, he, there's you a know middle what he ground here. Probably. I think it, I think it was... I think the, the the foul was a bit harder than he's making it out to be. So his 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 reporting on it is not quite accurate. Draymond. It's not one hundred percent accurate. He's he's Draymond. It's like sixty percent accurate, and, and and then there's another forty percent that's that's subjective. That's one. Then two, he may just have to tone it down a little bit with the officials. Can't change the way he plays because he's been playing that way, and that's what keeps him in the NBA. But he just, I think. At a certain point, can I just be real? I think officials just get tired of him. He's like talking but see, all the that, time. I think, that, but that's dangerous okay. ground, though, is it not? Like, yeah, so when it comes yeah. to something like a, something as serious as a flagrant two and an ejection, yeah. which now has him two flagrant points away from an automatic suspension, so two more flagrant fouls or one flagrant two automatically suspends him for the remainder, not for the remainder of the playoffs, but if he if he gets assessed two more flagrant points throughout the rest of the playoffs, he is automatically suspended one game. We all know this. We've learned this the right. hard way with Draymond, right? But isn't the point of the review and aren't supposed to take all intent out of it? Isn't it supposed to be strictly based on what you're seeing, what the act was and whether it was, yeah. it was excessive, dangerous or unnecessary or whatever the language is. Draymond being yeah. a nuisance to officials, Draymond chirping, Draymond getting technical fouls. Draymond playing a physical brand of basketball should not factor into that specific play. That specific play, okay, it was a hard foul. And Michael, I'll, again, I'll give it to you if you say, yeah, it was a flagrant by today's standards and should have been a flagrant one. I disagree, but I'd understand where you were coming from or you and anybody that doesn't have a problem with it. The flagrant to an ejection is too far and we have generally gone too far. It's the playoffs. No easy baskets. It's a hard playoff, clean foul, and he tried to catch Brandon Clark. Yeah, but CP, he didn't, but, he didn't but intentionally. He didn't intentionally hit him over the face. We just saw Chris Paul. I don't know that. Smack somebody in the I face. I think it was pretty clear he was swiping out at the ball. It looked like he was swiping out at the ball and caught his face. It looked like that. That's what it looked like. It looked like that. That's what it looked like. And that's what it looked like. But see, once again, you said you don't know <laughs> intent. You don't know what his intent was. And no. I don't either, but th these are all these these things are all true. But I do know this in basketball and other other endeavors where people are there to arbitrate to judge to referee humans are making these decisions and humans will always bring in human stuff. So it, it shouldn't be you're right. Oh, it shouldn't be. It should be fair. They shouldn't be like they shouldn't consider who's making a foul. Who's doing what? Okay, they shouldn't, but of course okay. they will. Of course, that's okay, a so part set, of it. So let's let's set all that aside. 
So just so and, you're, you're looking at and, you're looking at pers- from the perspective of the officials. I want to know about Michael Holly. Oh, yeah, the Michael I, I Holly thought, that I used to play basketball with, who would commit those kinds of fouls. Okay, <laughs> not those. I want to know. Not, not those. I want to know. I want to know how he people. feels if you I were officiating it. Well, you, so you really think he tried to hurt him? So if, if it were you officiating and, and setting aside Draymond's reputation or his personality, you still you think that's a legitimate flagrant two foul in your rule book is what you're telling me. Okay, but th- think about this. Think about this. Not only from from the officials' uh, perspective. But think about it uh, from Memphis. If you're Memphis and you see that happen to one of your guys, or if you're the guy it happened to and he, he had some words after the game, he said, hey, am I surprised it happened? No. It's Draymond. That's what he does. I'm not surprised. Now, he didn't say it was clean. He said, I'm not surprised it happened. So it was a, it was a dirty play. Now, did he mean it to be a dirty play? A dirty no, it play? Dirty. It was dirty. It yes, was, it was dirty? Oh, it was dirty. No. Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. It was. We, we, this, and we, here's... Here's the other problem. Oh, man. Here's the other problem with this. When you say, yeah, oh, oh okay, and everybody who says things like you just said, well, you know, what happened? You know, I'm old enough to remember, you know, I came up in a way where, you know, that was nothing, man. They, they may not even have called that back in there. Okay, okay, great. Here's the problem. When you say that in 2022, a lot of people don't know how to do it. So if you say a hard foul, they might, they go too far. They will go too far with it. And if you're an NBA official, you got to nip that in the bud. Th- th- this could get out of control. So I understand. I understand why they did what they did. It was, Would they do it? it? Nothing, if there was, if Jimmy Butler had done it, probably not. Would they do it? Well, if that's a problem. Giannis had done it. That's a problem. Probably not. And that's a and that's and that's a no. dereliction of duty. That's what it comes down to. Number one, it is a number two. Whose problem is it though? There was nothing dirty about that. There was absolutely nothing dirty about that call. That was a good, clean playoff foul by any definition. And number three, the the, if if they the did face, it, right? I, I thought basketball is a contact sport. And number three, if they really? did it and they were in the right, it's because of the way the game has gone. And it, you're right. This is par for the course in today's NBA, where everything is a flagrant freaking foul. Well, we can't just have good, hard, clean fouls. You, you get up, you dust yourself off, take your free throws. We keep it pushing. Let's keep it pushing. See, it this I, way. I, it's, it's only it's only one game. It's only one game, and it was an exciting game that came down to a last second three pointer and a last second miss layup by John Morant. I it, it reminds me of Nets Celtics where, and I know you like the Celtics going away, going into that series, but it was, it's too close for me to just write off. The Grizzlies, yeah. given the ebbs and flows of a series, you just say, "Oh, it's over. The Warriors are going to win." I like the Warriors coming into the series to win the game. I like them even more now that they've stolen home court. So I don't want to just like say, "Oh yeah, that's a wrap after one game because a lot could happen." But the Golden State Warriors clearly aren't the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves when it comes to closing out games. Jordan Poole starting off the bench is such a revelation in these playoffs. And last thing I'll say is shout out to Steph Curry, whose defense has been underrated for quite a long time. For quite a long time. He's it, it, gone are the day. Remember when we used to call him a liability on defense okay. or the Warriors are hiding him on defense. He's no he, he's no Gary Payton. He's not like his teammates daddy, but Steph Curry and that was one play, but I think that play was emblematic of how Steph has been disrespected as a defender for a very long time. 
He's not as bad as people have tried to make him out to be. But when you're that great on one end of the floor, I think people look for nits to pick. And the idea that Steph Curry is some kind of a negative defender has been an overstatement for a long time. And I was glad to see him come up with that big stop. That's all I got on the game itself. Okay, can, can we just, I, I just, I, I can't let this go. I can't let this go. I can't let this go. Please bring up that James Worthy treat, uh, uh, tweet again. I told you I was watching Lakers Pistons. Man, stop, stop. Look, look, this is, this is the key to becoming an old man and an old woman in a hurry is when you go back in the day and you kind of misremember what happened back in the day to make some point about the current day and, and usually music's not as good, film's not as good, basketball's not as good, players aren't as tough, parents aren't as tough, blah, 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 blah. All was better back in the day. Stop that. Sit down somewhere, big game, James, because I do know in 1988, Pistons Lakers, they were coached by coached by two of the most persuasive coaches in NBA history. I'm being diplomatic and Pat Riley and Chuck Daly. So if, if one team lost game one, here comes that coach talking to the media. Hey, you know, we're getting some hard fouls out there. And they're not calling it. You know, our guys are getting assaulted on the way to the basket. Then that team wins. The losing coach does the same thing on oh, no. a players out there whining on the court, getting mad because they were hit hard under the basket. No, no, it wasn't always two free throws. Yes, flagrants did happen even in 1988. And we had color TV back then too. And air conditioning. Stop it. Nobody you didn't said, walk to school said, backwards. Nobody said, nobody said fragrant, fragrance files didn't happen. We're saying that wasn't I'm just a saying that tweet. Too. That tweet I'll give you a just rubs one. me the wrong way. But, but it's but not that, reality. That tweet, that tweet and, was talking about that foul. That foul okay. was not a flagrant two. That's okay. all I'm saying. Okay, that's listen, what I'm saying. That foul, that foul would have been called because this is what this is why maybe and I, now I'm going to insult uh, the 80s. Maybe it looks soft because there are many players in the 80s. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Who couldn't play as who didn't play as fast? Who didn't play as fast and didn't jump as high? As some of player of today's players do, like it's very difficult, and I'm all I'm very critical of NBA officials have been consistently, but it's difficult for an official to see something in the air, to see a player in the air, and then that player is pulled down and slapped, airbound. Well, that's a that's a tough call to make, and sometimes, yeah, maybe you will go too far. Maybe it should have been a flagrant one, not a flagrant two. But if a guy's in the air, he's slapped, then he winds up face down on the floor. And I know he eventually got up, but he was down on the floor for a few minutes for, you know, for a few seconds without moving. Yeah, you might say, okay, that was a little dirty. But I, you know, I just can't, I can't, I can't stand the tough, tough, Celtics, hard fouls weren't flagrants. Yeah, they were. Celtics, they Celtics were. were world beaters a series ago. Now they found themselves, they find themselves down 0-1 to the world champs. Here's Giannis, the best player in the world. I think we, we've realized in order for us to be in the game, in order for us to win games, we've got to guard. And uh, offensively, like, obviously one of, the, one of our best scorers not out there. So we know that we got to guard. And then offensively, we're going to figure out, is that going to be Drew playing off the dribble, pick and rolls, post up? Is that going to be Grayson, Bobby, me, Brooke, whoever is going to be? 
go and figure it out offensively. But at the end of the day, if we don't guard, we, not, we don't have a chance of uh, being in the game. I know you're watching this series closely. What you got on the best player in the world, the defending world champions, the series? What you got? Go. Uh, first of all, I love this cat. I love this dude, Mike. He's my favorite player in the NBA. He is. I'm glad you said it. He is the best player in the world because out of all the top players, top five, top eight, he's the only one who is still consistently a force on offense and defense. I mean, shut him down kind of force and take over a game on offense. Yesterday, didn't have it. I mean, the, the Celtics were all over him, forcing him into a nine for 25 shooting night. And he didn't come, as he just mentioned, to come into the game. He doesn't have Chris Middleton, second best player on the Bucks. And that, what I like about Giannis is he always finds a way. He just finds a way. Whatever the game situation presents to him, he'll he'll find it. You shut him down on uh, you shut down the shooting, he'll get the passing going. If you if you shut down the passing and the shooting, he'll rebound. He'll play defense. He'll block shots. He'll make smart plays. He's got the right kind of attitude. I love this player. As I said uh, to you before, he's just a winner. And championships, this is what the Celtics need to figure out before tomorrow night when they play game two. Uh, they need to figure out how they're going to approach, how they're going to think about the Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if they took them lightly. I don't know that. But I doubt that. If there's any, if there's any hint of, well, they're a different kind of team without Middleton. Stop that. No, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. I mean, Middleton will make them better, but these you, you don't win a champion. You don't win a championship just by following the script all the time and having everybody 100% healthy and things going as planned. When you're a champion, I've, championships change everything. They change everything. Well, and I mean, this, they won a championship this with Giannis be a tough out. last year. I seriously doubt that the Celtics themselves looked at the Bucks and said, "Oh, we got them," because they don't have their second best player, arguably. And I say arguably out of respect for Drew Holiday. I. I don't know either for sure, but I think I used this phrase earlier dereliction of duty <laughs> be a dereliction of their professional duty as professional basketball players who have been in the same situation. It's not like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, or Marcus Smart or Al Horford haven't been on the other side of that where they've been wounded and responded. So they are they are in a bunch. If, if you told me that the Timberwolves took somebody lightly, I'd be like, okay, maybe this isn't a young Celtics team that would look at the Milwaukee Bucks and think that they're wounded and therefore deficient with the best player in the world. That talking point of, oh, the Bucks are not as good without Chris Middleton, which they're not, but not as, not formidable without Chris Middleton, is a media or fan or Twitter talking point that, as you pointed out, was quickly shut down yesterday by the rest of that supporting cast that won a world championship last year. This is why I pumped the brakes on Jason Tatum last week. I love Jason Tatum. I love him at both ends. Okay, but the anointing of him as a top five player after a, a, a dominant series against the Brooklyn Nets was premature, as I said, because the, the script may flip immediately against the defending world champions and the best player in the world. And both Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown won adjustment. Here's a coaching adjustment. Here's some X's and O's for you. They got to find a way to put the ball in the basket. How's that for next level analysis right there? Okay, both of their stars got to show yeah. up and affect the game somehow, some way. 
even if their shot isn't falling. They also would be That's better it. off not shooting. They also would be better off That's not it. shooting 53 pointers. 53 pointers is a lot if you're only making what 18 of them and you're playing right into the Bucks defense's hands. A Bucks defense, by the way, that going back to the Bulls series, and I wouldn't say the Bulls are as good as the Celtics. I get I, no, by no means. Uh, no, <laughs> but that's right. now three times though, three times in these playoffs that the Bucks have allowed 90 points or fewer. Since Brooke Lopez has gotten back, their defense has been incredible. Um, league leading ish defense. So uh, again, I think the Celtics will be better than we saw what we saw in game one. But sorry for the cliche. It's the world champs until further notice. And it's going to take more than an upstart team that knocked off a team that many of us overrated in Brooklyn. Right. To dethrone, to dethrone well, them. Especially well, if probably, they can get it Middleton going, back this series. It may be outside of the NBA, outside of the NBA. It may be going the other way. So first round, the Nets were overrated. Second round, coming into this game, the, the Bucks were underrated without Middleton. I mean, it's a yeah. big loss. Yeah. I mean, I mean Middleton yeah. and um, or underrated because Middleton's, they beat the Bulls. Because they beat the Bulls, and it's kind of like that wasn't the series that people were fixated on as much. I don't Wouldn't think it's say? the Bulls, though. I think it's the injury. Well, no, 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 no. no well, 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 that's part of it. No, and and or. But I'm saying I agree with you that it, that it's the injury that people may have looked at the Bucks and thought they were in trouble without him, and they may still be. It's one game, but I'm saying I'm adding to that. Also, when you look at the first round, I don't know that a lot of people paid much attention. Could just know that it was more or less a foregone conclusion that the world champs would beat the Bulls, whereas all our attention was on net Celtics, and a lot of people got infatuated with how good the Celtics are. Wouldn't you say that's a part of it too? Yeah, I mean the Celtics. The Celtics looked. Uh, they looked really good, but you know I think when we go back and look at it. They looked really good against the Nets. They didn't look like themselves, their true identity against the Nets. So the Celtics probably showed another dimension against the Nets. Okay. But who they are is who Milwaukee was yesterday. That, that, that's really what their identity is, just shutting teams down. And uh, as you said, you know, 90 points or fewer. Like, that's, that's kind of their thing. They're the number one defense in the league. And so that's what they kind of, that's what they hang their hat on. Against against the Nets, the Nets shot over fifty percent from the field. Yeah, yeah, they in, got in key that playoffs here. They got key styles for right. They shot forty percent from three point range. They shot forty yeah. percent from three in the series, and they lost and it got swept. Yeah. So, uh, which we know I, was I a closer Milwaukee, series than than the sweep. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Milwaukee showed showed Boston. Okay, this is okay. This is who you have to be. This is, who we, this is who we have to be to win, but if you're going to beat us, you're going to have to do something like this. I still think it's a long series. I think it's a seven-game series, and, yeah, seven. and and who knows? In a seven-game series, anybody can win it when teams are even. Um, Bucks and, and six. And how, uh, maybe the teams aren't even even. Maybe <laughs> we've Milwaukee's heard, We've heard that before. That's what I'm thinking. We've heard that before. Bucks and six, right? And that, that's their rallying cry. Uh, Bucks yeah. and six. I don't know that the Celtics have an adjustment for a different beast. It's just a different beast. It's a different animal. Giannis is a different dude. He's a different breed. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, we talked about this before. He got better, not just through the playoffs last year, but through the finals. He, he's probably, he probably won't win MVP, but he's the best player in the world for a reason, and he showed it in this game. 
and they are the defending champion for a reason. The other part of it is I think some people, I know not present company, given what you got in your closet somewhere, I'm sure you'll break it out at some point. Yeah. Did, did some people yeah. not properly respect them as defending champs? Were they almost like, at times, the default favorite in the East? Oh, well, it's the Bucks until further notice, or it's the Bucks there, you know, because they're taking the regular season off, but like, for the most part, it was like, oh, the, look out for the Nets, or the Celtics have been the best team in 2022, or the Sixers have this dynamic duo, and maybe the MVP and Embiid, and blah, 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 when it's like, nah, it's the Bucks. Again, I know I'm preaching to the choir but on that. But. Yeah, yeah, I'll say this real quick. I love what happens in a playoffs, especially in the NBA Finals. We're a little early for this, but this happens in the Finals a lot. When you get down zip two, yeah, you find out what the purse, what the what the zero team has. Okay, the team with no wins. Yeah, something yeah. usually emerges from that. Last year, that happened with Giannis. They were down zip two to yep. Phoenix, and then we saw Giannis just kind of explode. And back in the day, same thing happened with Dwayne Wade. They were down zip yeah. two to Dallas. Then Dwayne Wade, Dwayne Wade went nuts. These forty point games in the finals and get to the line. So maybe so, the Celtics, maybe the Celtics have something. To match okay. this force. I don't know. So in other, in other words, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see when it really gets going. How, do, how does Dubs Bucks sound as a finals? I start, it has a nice ring to it, and they got rings. Not to really. Because I know you got Dubs would have to get. I know. I they'd know have you to get around. I know. I know. They'd have to beat the. Hey, they'd have to beat the Pelicans. They have to beat the Pelicans to get to the finals. Oh, the future oh, the is bright gone. in New Orleans. Future. Oh, is it? Okay. Hey, congratulations. The one beat the eight. Way to go out on a limb. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that was a good, um, you know, I think that guy fits well, uh, Cole fits well into our our team and our system. And, um, you know, obviously I think he's a good player. Yeah, I mean, there, was, there were a couple options there. Um, you know, we did what we felt like was best and made the best decision that we I felt like we made the best decision we could, so that's what we did. Uh, yeah, he he uh, he wouldn't have lasted much longer. All right, Professor, I know you are in the uh, business of grading. Uh, whose draft class did you like? Not at the weekend is in the books. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, I'll tell you what I didn't like. Rewrite. Let's just rewrite. Send that back. Let's workshop this some more on New England before you bring this out. That's your plan. This is a. They thought it was a mock draft. They thought it was a mock draft. It, 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 it was game time, and they acting like this is just a uh, just a little quiz that doesn't count. So I hated that one. Um, but you know, it's the usual suspects, man. Like there were some real real professional touches, some master strokes that happened over the weekend. The Baltimore Ravens. Woo! Baltimore Ravens just really 
understand what they're doing with the draft. So I love what the Ravens did. I know uh, a lot of people, and for obvious reasons, I know we're on the same page here. Um, I know a lot of people don't agree with this. I actually like what the Steelers did. I'm the Steelers just outsmarted everybody with uh, the Kenny Pickett selection in the first round. Because uh, most of the time in, during the draft process, you're, you're just scraping for any kind of information that you get. You're trying to talk to a, a number of sources. You're trying to find out information about who this guy is. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have seen the evolution of Kenny Pickett at Pitt for the last three years. He's been in their facility. So they've seen him at his best. They've seen him at his worst. They know his personality. Uh, yeah, they had their top 30 visits in the combine and their hand measurements. Supposedly he has small hands and all that stuff. They've seen him in games and they know how he responds in every situation. So if the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett, it wasn't based on just uh, three months or six months of information. It really was several years of information they have on Kenny Pickett. I thought that was really well done. And I thought they are great. They're a great franchise when it comes to drafting wide receivers, getting George Pickens in the second round and not having to move up for him, just waiting on George Pickens. Good. And, and Austin the third is another uh, really good pick. Uh, so two wide receivers for a franchise that picks wide receivers well. And I think they got a quarterback who I won't be surprised if he plays this year. So and and, and the final thing is and this is not necessarily draft related Mike. Uh, I even though I do like what the Saints did on draft uh, their draft days. Mm -hmm. I love who they signed today. Yeah, I love I for the honey badger. That's what a what a great honey badger. Story, a great signing honey great badger. Story, great signing great fit. No, it just goes to show you like you really got to look at the offseason through the lens of all three phases free agency the draft post draft free agency. You know what I mean? That's a major pickup. So they didn't address safety in the draft, but then they go and get honey badger who's 30 years old. Still got a lot of good football left certainly motivated yep. to, to play for his hometown team. You're absolutely right, but I'll, I'll throw the Saints in this. Uh, I'll throw the Saints in this bucket as well going back to you know, your work as a professor at BU, my one semester as a professor at Marist College. You know, you got your front row students, the ones that get yeah, it, yeah. the ones that yeah. turn all they work in on time. It's proofread. It's clean. They they understood the assignment, you know, yeah, and they just they come they to office the hours. They lead the way. They come want extra work. Hours. They want extra work. They, they lead the way. So it, it comes to a right. point where whatever they turn in your expectation is that it's a work because they've, yeah. they've, they've earned that type of, of, of credibility, right? So yeah. your A students are year in and year out test in and test out even if they don't end up with the highest graded prospects in accordance with the mock drafts. The fact that they're always there at the end as one famous coach likes to say suggest that even if on the front end, we don't recognize their draft as a good one. It's probably going to turn out that way one way or the other. Oh, yeah. and don't don't, don't forget. Right. Don't forget undrafted free agents. I'm sorry. I left one out. I left a phase out. I left yeah, free agency to draft undrafted free agency and post draft free agency with veteran free agents that are now finding the best fit. So four. so Ravens goes without saying at this point they get the draft better than anybody but you, but you can't you can't take it for granted you got to give them their got to give them their flowers
the Chiefs. Okay, that's another one that just knows what they're doing when it comes to the draft. And then talk about nice signings post draft. Justin Ross, undrafted. I know his health was a concern, but that's the Justin Ross that lit up Alabama in the national championship game. That was incredible as a freshman at Clemson. If Justin Ross is healthy and they got him as an undrafted free agent, if he, if he can still play, yeah. that was a first round guy after his freshman frame year. That. Frame that, frame, frame that right there, right? Frame that that's 2022 a, draft class. So I'm telling you, what, the, what the Steelers, we're going to look back at this and say, can you believe they did that? That's an incredible the Steeler, class. The Steelers, even if they're not highly ranked, by a lot of pundits right now. I, mean, I haven't seen all of the draft grades, but even if people aren't falling over themselves, their history suggests that they got it right. Even New England, I'll throw, I'll throw New England in there. They have a they, they are outside the box thinkers, to put it generously, and they have swung and missed quite a bit with specific positions, especially lately. So they're they're, 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 they're like the, the the Patriots are like that are like that student that like gets a little comfortable and, and as yeah. a professor, you're kind of like, yo, man, I, I, you know, I know you're better than this. I give you the benefit of the doubt. Like what's what happened to the, the what happened to the old student that I got to know and love, right? I still tend to believe that they just going to do what they think is best mock drafts and prognostications be damned, but their record lately speaks for itself. And it has been spotty at best. That's putting it kindly. I was going to say the green. Hey, 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 your analogy. Can I can I can I can I add to your analogy? The pay mm -hmm. I know that student you're talking about. The Patriots have progressed beyond that. The Patriots flunked out. Because we've been saying that for like four years. Like, bro, I, I I know I know that some people on the five-year plan or six-year plan, you out. Listen, they flunked okay, out. Me, they, they have let, had let me bad let me keep drafts. let me keep going. Let me, let me keep going with this. Let me keep going with this analogy. I wish I had more hands. Maybe maybe right. they maybe they were copying off Tom Brady's paper for a long time. Okay, it's too soon to say they flunked out. So since Brady left since their cheat code since their cheat sheet left, they had one seventy nine season with Cam Newton and COVID and COVID. Yeah, I know everybody. I know everybody had it and they made the playoffs for the rookie quarterback last year. So before we yep. say they flunked out and my, and my point is not necessarily the prospects. It's their it's their development of those prospects and the fact that they're contenders year after year. Last one I'll yeah. point out is the Packers. The Packers. Again, maybe Rodgers is their Brady. But they've drafted pretty well, if I'm not mistaken, for the most part. And yeah. I'm asking for a friend. Is thirty fourth high enough late. for a wide receiver? Is thirty fourth high you enough for wide receiver? Is that early enough? I know that. You no, still, I'm, I'm you just still asking. Don't get it. I'm, I, no, I, I, I'm not asking to get it. I'm asking a question. I'm not asking to get it. I'm asking you a question. Get it. I'm asking it neutrally. I'm asking it neutrally. No, it's 34th early not, enough for a pick. I know it. I know it. Because I know I, that's not I, I the know, first I round. I know there's only 32 oh. picks in the first round. So because he's 34th, does that mean I that know. like you know he's probably what not as saying. good, or he's not going to be as productive? I'm They're curious. I'm just asking for a friend. I'm just asking for a friend. Two different conversations here. And they drafted two receivers, by the way. We'll see. They're rookies, and Good you don't them. want to assume that a rookie is just going to step in and dominate as a rookie. That's a lot to ask, but we have seen Christian Watson was a first-round prospect in a lot of people's minds. We have seen rookie receivers in the second round, but rookie receivers in general come in 
and and be productive if not dominant early on. Not saying he's going to be Jamar Chase, not saying he's even going to be Justin Jefferson. That's a that's a high bar. But if this kid right. is as good as a scouting report suggests, then they got a good one at 34 all jokes aside, all sar- all sarcasm aside. But, but my larger point, yeah. Michael, is simply that certain organizations just get the benefit of the doubt. The Saints as well, I thought did a really good job, a winning organization. So let me go to the opposite extreme note, and I want to shout out the student in the back of the class historically that just decides, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that I want better in. for myself. Yes, I want better I, for myself. Yeah, I come from. And we talked. I come from a a, a a great background. Come on, why not? Why not? Why, I come from one yeah, of the I'm, greatest cities in the I'm world. I'm tired of lagging. Or, or why don't student, I represent? My or city. Why don't I represent my boroughs better? Right. It's right? that st- the Jets. The Jets are that student that's like, oh wait a minute, you've been you just been taking it all along. You're actually better than this. You're you're actually much smarter than this. You just didn't feel like doing the work. Not just this draft. We talked about it after they got those three top ten prospects in the first round in Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson the second. But then getting Brees Hall, then getting Jeremy Ruckert in particular. The last two drafts, when you combine what they did this weekend yeah. with Zach Wilson, I know you still love him, Vera Tucker, Elijah yes. Moore, Michael Carter, both Michael Carters, if you will. It's just, it feels like, I'll just say this, what the Dolphins did, what the Dolphins did this offseason, what, what the Jets have done the last two years in the draft, second, the race for second, third, and fourth in the AFC East is going to be something. It's going to be something. But th- it's still the Bills division, especially now that they got the punt god. Just had to get that in there. They got the punt I'm guy. Glad. Just hey, want to throw that out there. How about this? One, the, the, the Bills got him. They, but teams are hating on the punt guy though. Teams are hating on the him. Third, he wasn't the, the third first punter taken. The third punter taken. The They're Ravens like, you know what? That ain't real. I was like, hey, hold on now. That like, you ain't hold real. On now. We know what happened a year before. We didn't have That's a great right. 2020. You turn around. Hey, who was that student you talked about? He had that great 2021, but they're like, mm, is that you? Or it's is 2020 right. you? Matter raise ago, punt more in practice than he will in games anyway. So that's just a luxury. <laughs> On the rare occasions that Buffalo punts, he'll punt at 80 yards. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. It's a it's a fluid situation. We'll deal with it day by day. We're um, pleased with the weekend, pleased with the guys that we added, and um, you know we're looking forward as we uh, turn the page into May. Charles Robinson from Yahoo, as with every major NFL story, was all over the Baker Mayfield uh, trade discussions uh, with the Carolina Panthers. Did not materialize. Panthers went with Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Baker Mayfield is still a Brown. Andrew Barry says it's fluid. What are the realistic odds that Baker Mayfield is actually still on the roster in 2022? Because if I'm Baker Mayfield, Charles, and I know it's easy to say because it's not my money, I'm taking a pay cut, I'm begging, I'm writing a letter, I'm doing whatever it takes to get my ass out of Cleveland and get to Seattle.
because like ate a lot of spots for Baker Mayfield in 2022 and we ain't even got to the 2023 draft yet. Like where is he going to play if not Seattle? He can't stay in Cleveland, can he? Well, I mean, uh, they're prepared to take him into the season. Uh, <laughs> they're, yeah, they're prepared to try and, you know, make this make this come back together. Uh, that's not I mean, it is that is dicey. But the problem is, I don't know that Seattle's really all that hot on. It, you know, I don't think I think Seattle's approach to it will be the same as what Carolina's approach to it was, which is, hey, man, you pay the vast majority of the salary and mm -hmm. we'll flip you a late pick and, you know, we can be done with it. But the problem with that approach is, um, and, and I think Carolina, that was part of the problem. There was, it wasn't just, there were a few different like spitballed scenarios over a two day span because some interesting stuff, like some like players involved at one point, like uh, other picks, like it wasn't like really simple, but the thing was, it was it was such a spitballed conversation between Carolina and Cleveland that it never really got very far down the road, even to the point yeah. where they could drill down hard on the money. But what was clear about the money was that Carolina was approaching it the way I think Seattle would, it, which is you pay 13, 14, 15 million. Uh, we'll take Baker and we'll kick you a late round pick. Well, if you're Cleveland, you're just that means you're just buying a late round pick for like 15 right. million dollars why like you know that's doesn't make any sense you might as well see if you can carry him and wait and see if something else unfolds meaning either uh, there's a quarterback injury or you know maybe somebody stumbles really badly in in camp doesn't look good you know who knows maybe drew lock struggles you know a lot in camp and that makes Seattle well, think twice about it well that was that was where i was gonna go i mean look for baker i just feel like Take it in your own hands. Again, easy for me to say it's 18.8 million yeah. guaranteed for him. But in order Mike, for the long play, restructure your contract, dude. It you would can't have just to, sit there would, and collect money. It would have to be a lot of money though, Mike. Like it would have to be. Yeah. Oh, you have mean, to come down talking. to like. Yeah, I mean, we're, he he's not gonna, you know, if he says, hey, you know, I'll take a three million, four million, five million dollar pay cut. That's not getting him off. That's the not going credit. There's no, no, gotcha. no way. I mean, gotcha. it's it's got to be yeah. a considerable amount of money. Now, the one thing I could have seen happening is say Carolina um, or, or even Seattle, let's say moving forward, say Seattle says, hey, you know what? We're willing to pay eight. And right. um, and the and the Cleveland Browns say, okay, well, we're willing to pay five. We'll pay four. Okay. Or four. Right? Okay, we'll say four. Let's yeah. just say four. Yeah. And yeah. so then at that point, it's like, okay, Baker, do you want to restructure and knock six million yeah. off so we can make this happen? That's different. Like that's a scenario where yeah. if two teams start to talk and it gets close, then maybe yeah. Baker can be a part of it and All kick right. in some money I to just, try and get out. I just like to see him do it and not just be stuck with golden handcuffs. I mean, just for his sake. I'm I'm, I'm not the biggest Baker Mayfield fan, but just the idea of him being held as a as a fallback or a side piece to Deshaun Watson in Cleveland just yeah. It's just, he he needs to do better for himself. But real quick, um, is Seattle serious? Like is Seattle are they just looking ahead at 2023 is Seattle really about to roll with Geno Smith and Drew Locke? I I think as far as the draft pick players that were there, they were like none of these guys is better than Drew Locke. They don't that none of these guys has more talent brings more to the table than Drew Locke brings to the table, which is why they did not select Malik Willis or anyone else that they had an opportunity uh to take in this draft. Now Baker's a different, you know, that's a different animal. Like if he if 
it gets to the point where uh, they feel like a lot of the money is going to be eaten by someone else. I do absolutely think they would be interested. But the one thing about Seattle is they have to get over the assumption that the Browns are going to cut Baker. That's not happening. The Browns are not cutting Baker Mayfield. They owe him the money. So they're not going to cut mm-hmm. him and then let him go, you know, on a free agency tour. They're, they'd be just basically paying him to go play somewhere else. That's not going to happen. And the one thing I will say about the Browns, too, the, I'm like, man, this is an awkward way to play this. Couldn't this get really toxic? All these different things. Baker has to be careful about what he does moving forward because there is conduct detrimental. And you can forfeit guaranteed money if you know you do something that the team can fit into that conduct yeah. detrimental box. Yeah. He hasn't done that yet. So, so and he can't nice. sit... Right, you can't sit out either. By the way, you can't yeah. you can't not show and not play preseason games because you lose money now with the way the CBA is structured. You know, I, I'm not the first person to bring this up, but I can understand why other people have brought it up and and why it 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 uh, it seems such uh, like a natural connection, and that is the Trevor Bauer situation in MLB. They suspended him for two years. If you're in Cleveland, going back to Cleveland, Deshaun Watson, do you look at that and say, wait a minute, this guy, a judge, was throwing some stuff out, wouldn't grant a permanent restraining order, all these things. He was not necessarily arrested or behind bars, and yet MLB has banned him for two years. Do you think any, it makes, is there any connection between Bauer and and Deshaun Watson, you think? Um, only from an optics standpoint, you know, it's not, it's not a one for one comparison between what Bauer was accused of doing, what Watson was accused of doing. Um, you know, there's, there's a, I don't want to sit, I don't want to be callous here to say there's a sliding scale in terms of assault or, you know, domestic violence, but, um, you know, the, the infractions, um, and even what the two are facing again, as you said, Bauer not arrested, not facing civil suits. Um, Watson is facing, you know, civil litigation. Um, I think just from an optics standpoint, Major League Baseball, basically the the what was put out there and what what that's what this reflects for Major League Baseball is we did the investigation on our own. We're not counting on anybody else. We don't care what law enforcement is or isn't doing. We don't care what the legal system does or doesn't allow. We interviewed the alleged victims ourselves. This is how we feel about this. And this is what we feel like is appropriate. So, you know, that from an optics standpoint, it, it makes you look at the NFL and go, well, how how exactly will they handle this? Are they going to try to say this is a standard six-game suspension under the CBA rules, the personal conduct policy, because it doesn't have to just be a six-game suspension? Um, there, there's other things that the NFL, by the way, and, and this could play in favor of, of Deshaun Watson as well, as well as against. The, the depositions are not under seal, okay, in these civil cases, which means the NFL can conceivably get their hands on the depositions. And Deshaun Watson can essentially be testifying and speaking to the NFL without doing it directly, you know. So that's that's another piece of information that could play into this. I just think from an optics standpoint, and the NFL does really care about optics, uh, if they feel there's traction there and he should be suspended and the NFL comes in and says, well, we just think it's like a standard six-game suspension, there's going to be an element of criticism and there's going to be some comparison whether it's fair or not. But if it goes to the next level, it's really bad. Uh, is there we were talking about Baker Mayfield and his next team is there a scenario where his next team is his current team because if you don't have Deshaun Watson let's say for 10 games yeah or for the season yeah absolutely I mean there's <laughs> Baker not, Mayfield if 
is there. Look, if Mayfield is, um, if he's on the roster, okay, and Deshaun Watson um, is, uh, ends up, let's say he gets suspended for, let's just say a season to make it a, a round square, you know, or a square kind of number. Um, I think there's a conversation that, that I would think the coaching staff and the front office says, look, you can, this can be your best case scenario here. Okay. You, you, if you come and you play well this year, you're going to be a free agent. We're not franchise tagging you, you know, you're going to be a free agent. So basically you're playing right now for your next contract. You're doing the Kirk cousins. Okay. Kirk cousins last year in Washington, he knew it. They knew it. That's where it was headed. He was going to be a free agent. And what did Kirk Cousins do? He cat he went did a big free agency tour. There were a lot of desperate teams for a quarterback, and he turned it into a hell of a lot of money. When you look at what he's going to walk away with eventually from the Minnesota Vikings, so I think that's the conversation. Calling it a, a potential marriage of convenience, in other words, right, Charles? You know, people stay together. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, you know what I'm saying. We, we, we're successful yeah. together. You need you need it. I need it. We both need to be married. The tax write off. You know, <laughs> okay. And, and let, here's another thing too. Let's let's be real here, the three of us, right? Let's say Baker Mayfield goes back. You know, keeps a low profile. Deshaun Watson gets suspended. Let's say they're halfway through the season. Baker's balling out. We're all sitting here going, "This dude's making himself. He's he's securing the bag." Like like I don't know any other way I would perceive that other than to say, this is a growth moment for him. He's showing teams something right now, both character. Oh, Play, it would look. be it would be a really good look because it's a really yeah. awkward situation. No, that's professional. That is very professional. Uh, speaking of professional, somebody who may have no choice but to be professional. We'll see how he plays it. Uh, Debo Samuel, who, as you know, shares an agent with AJ Brown. Maybe that helps yeah. that situation, but nothing went down during the draft. How do you see the eight that Debo Samuel situation resolving itself, if at all? Yeah, DK Metcalf's agent. Like, you want to talk about having the wide receiver market cornered in terms of potential trades. Um, look, I think the reason why it happened with Tennessee and didn't happen with the 49ers, um, it was because Tennessee was reticent to pay the money, okay? Did not want, like, they clearly were far apart on the money. It sounded to me like as much as like five, six million dollars apart a year. That's really hard to make that up. And it didn't sound like either side was really interested in budging. The 49ers are different in that I believe they want to pay the money. Um, it's just this unspoken list of things that Devo wants that is preventing the, the return from happening. Now, now we're in a different situation, though, because they can't deal them now. I mean, unless they're going to sit there and go, we're just not going to have an asset on the field. We can't replace them through the draft. Um, you know, we, or at least we're not going to have the high picks we would expect. I, it's funny because I thought it was going to happen to the Jets. I really did. I thought that that trade was going to go down from what I understand, what ultimately kind of sculled it from San Francisco's end was that the Jets wanted another draft pick asset as well as Debo um, if they were going to give up that 10th overall selection. So yeah. look, San Francisco wants a lot for the guy if they're going to let him go. And But there's just no inclination that even what they would accept is an indication to teams like the Jets and the Detroit Lions that, yeah, they're not really serious about trading this guy because what they want for him outright is more than what was given up for Devontae Adams or Tyreek Hill. Hey, speaking of the Jets, uh, most pundits, most uh, draft experts and analysts and people who give out grades love what the Jets did. Mm -hmm. How can you not love what Baltimore did? It's Baltimore for crying out loud and they happen to nail it, you know? Uh, Kansas City, 
those those are some of the obvious ones based on their credibility, their track record, their body of work, and the actual draft that people love what they did. Can you give us a kind of a team that based on either just your analysis and what you know about the prospects, your knowledge of their roster, especially coupled with free agency, or maybe just people around the league that you talk to that are like, you know what? You know who's not getting enough credit for their draft? This team. This team's flying under the radar. People are sleeping on this team's draft Ooh, plans. Man, under the radar. I mean, I, look, I... Yeah, I don't know if I really as much you could be under the radar. radar as much I, you could listen, be under the radar in 2022. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> it's no, I can, it's no I, secrets. <laughs> I uh, here was a really interesting assessment. Um, a number of teams were actually really impressed with what the Eagles did because of the fact that it was such a wide picture um, that they kind of approached this draft with. Like the Eagles sat mm -hmm. there and said, "Okay, um, we're going to take Jordan Davis. Okay, great. We got that to get um, the Kobe Dean where they did, you know, let's see what happens with the medical yeah. there. Um, but kind of yeah. feeling like they can figure out, you know, uh, the right appropriate slot for him. Um, you know, the, the trade. Okay. Like they made like every conceivable move you could in this draft. They went and got the huge wide receiver that they felt like they needed to absolutely have in the fold long-term. They went still, and got and still have two ones. And, and, and that's right. Yeah. And th that's the crazy thing is that yeah. they also focused on 2023 as well. Like they went and made mm -hmm. huge moves in this draft, but they made a pretty huge move in next year's draft because we could have five or six quarterbacks that are worth a first round pick next year. So not only did they try to say, hey, Jalen Hurts, we're going to do the best we can to improve the defense, give you a, a bona fide ironclad number one wideout. We're going to try and make this work with and you. a center. And a center and but we're also going to make sure we are preparing as we should as professionals for if this doesn't work out because we're going to know now like we've invested in you now. This is the big step year and if that doesn't happen, we're going to make sure that we're also okay next year and ready to make moves. It was just a very um, full yeah. picture view that they took and a number of teams were like, you know, the Eagles. They really kind of pulled out everything out of the bag of tricks and it and they looked at it as two drafts 2022 and 2023. You know, it's uh, we always talk about coaching trees. Maybe we should start talking about GM trees because we see the Rams and and Epton picks with less need. Brad Holmes in Detroit man. Yeah, <laughs> going from 32 to 12. Yeah. To get Jamison, I, I was loving the aggressiveness of a team that that is we let's face it, they're a couple years away from being really good. I like the mentality. What'd you think? Yeah, well, they remember they swung for the fence twice because they tried to get Debo. Like they wanted to, they called and they're like, "Hey, we want to trade for Debo Samuel." Like they were, they were, they basically stacked two options here. They're like, either we're going to go get this guy and we're going to do the mega trade and we're going to pay him this huge contract so that we have this piece in place. Or we're going to move up from the bottom of the first round um, and and take a player that we think, you know, once he's healed from the ACL, could be our next, you know, great impact uh, wide receiver. And, I mean, I sit there and I think about, like, Green Bay could have done that. Like, there were, there's a number of teams that, you know, really could have addressed wide out and gotten up there before the run happened. And, by the way, I think part of the reason why Detroit did that, why they traded to where they traded, was because they were trying to snipe the Eagles. I think Holmes was sitting there going, "How he's going to take our guy? Like uh, that's we need to get it up in front of this guy." And by the way, he, you know, I don't know. We'll never know for sure if he did. But it's interesting that it was after that deal that Howie ultimately ends up pulling the trigger 
on acquiring AJ Brown. So um, it was really aggressive. And I mean, I like it. Like it's, that's the mentality, as you said, of the organization he came from, their mentality is just let's push it all in and, and see what happens. And I think if, if look, the, the Jameson Williams pick, if it works out okay, and, and they have to focus on quarterback next year, it's going to be really nice to have at least that wide receiver cornerstone feel like you've kind of got that in the fold. Charles Robinson, man, we appreciate you bringing it as always, brother. Take a break, why don't you? <laughs> Do you have a ca- no, you have vacation planned anytime soon? Dawn, like, like, Dawn, <laughs> take, like, take this man's phone. It's like 14 <laughs> lawsuits pending against the NFL right now. <laughs> it's time to turn my attention to, to all the litigation and everything else. So, no, I'm, I'm already, I, I'm not even kidding. I'm already thinking about the training camp tour. And that's supposed to be, you know, two and a, two and a half months away. <laughs> that's why you are who you are. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. All right, Charles. Thanks. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. All right, Vinny. Settle it. You are a son of Detroit. You were raised by the bad boys. I thought it was a playoff foul. I'll give you a flagrant one if you insist. But flagrant two? Nah. Nah. What say you? I understand why the league did what they did. It was not the call that I would have made. But when you make contact to the head and then you grab the jerseys, like tap, tap. Like 2001, I think it was a accumulation call. I think it was also a reputation call on Draymond Green. Like, I was on a plane. I was headed to Phoenix, which is where I am now. And it was funny. I started getting texts like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. And on airplanes, you're a few seconds behind real time. So I'm like, well, what did they do? Did they throw Draymond out? And they were like, yes. And he's running around the court acting like a fool. And I was like, okay, well, they threw him out. <laughs> little, little Antonio Brown-esque performance. I, I, I kind of dug it. I kind of dug it. I don't know if that makes me a hypocrite, but I dug it, you know? <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather have him do that than to yell and berate the officials on his way out and get, you know, further punishment. But to your point, did you guys hear about the new executive vice president of uh, NBA operations today that just came Joe out Dumars. the past couple hours? Joe so, Dumars, yes. So... If we're going to have a return to natural order, of course, it's always going to be Detroit that resets the course, that puts the league back in a place that it needs to go. And maybe the next time something like this happens, we can have some perspective. Now, the question I have for for the league is, what constitutes a playoff foul? What is a hard contact foul that is hard, that is tough? Well, that's that's the question going up. That's not flagrant. I, I need to see. That's the question I have for you, because maybe you could explain the rule to me. Because you mentioned you started off, and, and obviously the jersey grab, even though he caught yeah. him on the way down, was a part of it. But when you say the contact to the face, is it any kind of contact to the face, or is it 
excessive. wind up because wind up. But if he's, if he, but okay, but wind up an impact. But what with one, what what intent? And I'm not talking about whether or not you intended to do harm. I'm talking about if you're swiping down at the ball, mm -hmm. which it, to me it clearly looks like he was swiping down at the ball, and he caught his face. Why is that flagrant as opposed to just an accident that's part of basketball? The jersey grab, if you want to, if you want to have a problem with that, okay. I, I mean, not so much, but the swiping. So anytime you wind up to make a play on the ball and you catch somebody in the face, that's a flagrant foul. They're probably going to, they're probably going to call it. Honestly, they're probably going to call that a flagrant one. Like when I played basketball, you know, and I was amongst the trees, the best way to get someone as opposed to trying to get them on the way up or get them at the top is to swipe down before the ball goes above their waist. I think what happened is Draymond swiped down and didn't get it, right? He swiped mm -hmm. down and didn't get contact with the ball, and Clark was still going up, so he grabbed him again, and not to grab him to foul, foul him, not grab him to catch his foul, but to grab him to stop him again. So I think they looked at it as an accumulation. I wouldn't have called that a flagrant two. Not in a playoff game of but you are not in a player. <laughs> I, I, I understand this is where the league, this is where the league is. This is exactly yeah. look, you guys bitched and complained when Michael Jordan wasn't flying through the air when the Pistons were playing the way that they played. You guys complained when it was us. Y'all didn't complain when it was the Celtics, <laughs> but you complained when it was us. And this is the league that you have. Are you, you happy like, now? He said love with it. He said love with it. He said us. I was at yes. it. I, 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 I knew this was triggering. I knew this was triggering. I knew it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for professional Vinny to get back to, to, to the D. There we go. Go ahead, Michael. No, but, no I just want to point out, Vinny. Uh, this is great. I love it. And you're right. Detroit. Uh, Detroit did this, the bad boys, and you know what? NBA didn't really like it. Then it they kind of like was it. phased out a little bit, and they it probably like was it. Pe no. They didn't the NBA like didn't it. like the style of play. The fans outside wait, of wait, Detroit. Wait, hold on, hold on. We're gonna reset this. Outside no, of no, Detroit, no, no. people didn't like it. You I know not, they you, sold videos, they sold an image. You're not going to sit here and perpetuate these lies. You're not going to do this, Michael Holly. For one, <laughs> they didn't care when the Celtics did it, when Kevin McHale was clotheslining Kurt Rambis and made Yeah, they didn't call it and, that, though. It was different. And, and, and Larry Bird was, was getting two-punch combos to Bill Lambeer. They didn't care then. Sure. They didn't care, they didn't care when it was the Yeah, because they didn't like Detroit. Right. And the, Xavier the McDaniel, persecution complex is real. Oakley. Hold on, hold on. So don't say, I'm so telling don't say you. they didn't like, don't say that they didn't like. No, the no, the persecution, they didn't like the persecution complex. The persecution complex that anybody in Detroit has is real because you're right. It was a double standard that people liked it when it was done to Detroit. People didn't like it when it was done by Detroit. And uh, when the Knicks did it, that changed back. The rules changed. Pat Riley's Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, Knicks, John Starks, they ain't like that. And so they're never going to go back to that. So if Joe Dumars thinks he's going to restore order. He's in for a very rude awakening. Nope. They don't want it anymore. Don't want I, it. I, no, I, no, I'm, I'm not saying that. I, I think Joe's going to take it back there because if you looked at it, the point of emphasis going into this season was about allowing more physical play for defenders and to give defenses more of a chance to sort of prevent against, you know, the Trey Youngs and the James Hardens and some of the nonsense that they were doing. And they, they succeeded for maybe a month and a half. And then it seemed like it went right back to business as usual. So I do think that you're right. 
that the league wants it to be this way, but I do think it's important to have someone of perspective. Like, why do y'all always drag me in this? Every, team, every time I think I'm out, y'all pull me back in. This is not because <laughs> it's y'all, y'all, it's y'all, y'all plant y'all it's plan the hits. We, we, we're y'all picking at that hits. scab. We're picking at that scab, yeah. that tri- unhealed trauma. Said, but since we're going us? down, since we're going down that, memory us. lane, since since we since we're uh, we checked into the old school today, we're going down memory lane. Uh, talking about playing the hits. Here's bitter ass Scotty Pippen. <laughs> to finish the intro, obviously, to me, one of the biggest lies in the history of the NBA. Never won the the defensive player of the year. What happened, man? Were the were the voters drunk or what happened? No, I think they were too busy watching Michael. That's a, that's a pretty good answer. So, look, man, this dude right here. So when you when, when you look back at when you look at like the fact that like Kobe Bryant has one MVP, or you know we'll probably look back and think LeBron like how he only have four, you know how's Jordan only have six, whatever, whatever, right? Scottie Pippen is one of the elite perimeter defenders of all time. Nobody that's got any semblance of basketball knowledge disputes that. So it does feel like, oh man, Scottie Pippen never won a defensive player of the year award. Oh man, that's that's that feels weird because he was a great defender. But it wasn't because people were fixated on Michael Jordan. You're fixated on Michael Jordan. He's more obsessed with Michael Jordan than any of us could ever be. And I'm the biggest <laughs> Jordan sycophant alive. I got Jordan everything head to toe. And I'm telling Scotty Pippen is the one that won't let it go. Not to mention the people wow. who won defensive player of the year during his career. It wasn't like they were scrubs. It wasn't like he was robbed. Vinny, get your mans. Which direction whose heart, whose heart your pistons took. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Just, just have, have just, at it. <laughs> riddle me, riddle me this, Batman. Which direction do y'all want me to go? Do you want me to go to the basketball or the bitter Betty? Wh- which one you want me Both. to go? Bitter. Both. Let's go bitter. Go okay, bitter. Go bitter, bitter first. Go bitter. bitter first than basketball. Bitter first. Bitter first than basketball. Scottie Pippen has never realized that if it weren't for Michael Jordan, we wouldn't know who Scottie Pippen was. He'll be just another have decent play. If you put him anywhere other than Chicago to start his career in the middle of his career anywhere he would be just another dude he would not he wouldn't even be you know you know a guy that I think about that was really really good for a period of time and nobody talks about him Sidney Moncrief why because Sidney Moncrief didn't play next to a Michael Jordan or next to a Kareem or a Magic you just happen to be the dude standing next to the dude see all these photos we got we got Mike <laughs> and we got Scotty you know, you know, you know, you don't have pictures of Scotty standing by himself because nobody took a picture of Scotty by himself. Why? Because Scotty wasn't worth a damn. That's why. <laughs> with, your now, ungra- with his ungrateful ass. With his ungrateful ass. <laughs> now, now we can go to the basketball. Basketball-wise. Now we can go yeah. to the basketball. The game back then was made for the big man. Do people not remember that? You know who won Defensive Player of the Year? David Robinson. Hakeem Elijahwan. Guys like that. The seven-footers. The guys who patrolled the lane. The only smaller guys that won. There's the list. Gary Payton won it. Go ahead. Dennis Rodman won it twice, but Dennis Rodman was an exceptional rebounder in addition to being the best on-ball defender in the game. That's what made him so this is. I'll I'll just interject real quick. These are the people who won it during Pippen's heyday, his peak. Rodman, Robinson, uh, you mentioned Gary Payton, Elijah Juan, Matumbo, Alonzo Mourning. 
You know, it's the same thing with MVP. So you got you got to take it from them that they didn't deserve it. He was great on defense. Can, can we also can we take an opportunity? I'm gonna be a Scottie Pippen trooper here. Can we also take the opportunity to end this myth that people say all the time on certain platforms to prop up LeBron or to prop up whomever to say, well, Michael Jordan retired. The Bulls only uh, only lost two fewer games because Scottie Pippen was the MVP. Let me introduce you to Sitting Bull. Do y'all remember Sitting Bull? The guy who sat his ass down in game four of the Eastern <laughs> Conference semifinals against the Knicks. You know, because he couldn't take the last shot. Oh, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you, because yeah. why? Because he couldn't get his own shot up the possession before. Scottie Pippen was never a dude who could get his own shot. And in that year, you could name about 10 guys better than him. There was never, there was never a point in his career where Scottie Pippen was a top five player. Not one single damn year, Michael. I Smith. think, was I he, think, no. I think it, no, no, no. Ooh. I was just saying, the, hmm, I, I was just saying, the, hmm, so they couldn't get his own shot part. I think that's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. He could get his he own couldn't. shot, but that, but that's, but the part about that, that year, I will say hindsight to, it supports your point about him not being a top five at any point in his career. But that season with the numbers he was putting up and maybe it was trying to give Scotty his flowers and what he was doing without yeah. Jordan. Maybe the narrative took over. He was getting MVP love in the moments. Looking back, maybe I, I'm not arguing with whether he was top five well, at, in that era of all in that era. But at that in that season, Scotty Pippen was the man in well, that season. Oh, he, oh, was, he was killing it in that season. My, my, you know, my bad. I'm sorry. I got too many memories of Grant Hill doing it every year as opposed to Scotty for doing it one year. My I just, bad. Listen, I'm sorry. I, ju I, I just enough, said maybe know, it was we were maybe we were falling over ourselves to give Scotty the love that he thinks he was being and, denied. And, 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 Since and he thinks words, he's a stepchild. And wait, in the, <laughs> in the words of the remake that never came out for Mary J and Faith Evans, love don't live here anymore. They I'm remade that song. That. Mm. They remade that song. song. Never, it never came out. They did. They, go on YouTube. What do we do about this? Go on what YouTube. What do we do about go this? Go on YouTube. Go, it's on YouTube. Hey, it's, hey, you know what he did though? You know what he won? I tell you, an MVP won that year. All star oh, game. All star game. In the words of Derek Coleman, <laughs> that's whoop the whoop damn dude. Damn dude. <laughs> All-star game MVP, but well, no, I agree. Give, he was never like top me, five. So you know what? This, I feel like y'all are like doing this to me to get me riled up, like in lather pressure up. a playoff game. They had to get my blood pressure up and everything else. It, it was Isaiah Thomas's birthday a couple days ago. Joe D is getting you know executive vice president, and y'all bring up Scotty Pippen. Like we ain't got nothing like better to talk about besides Scotty Pippen. Who who you like? Who you like quickly in Suns Suns Mavs? You like the Suns in the series? If it's like this, I will say this. I think the Suns will win, but what if Luka is going to pull LeBron in 2007 and just decide that, you know, we're not losing games? What happens then? Well, I, I would, I would also say this team, this, this team is better than that, though. This team is pretty good. That, that's a, the supporting cast he got is pretty damn good, too. So I, you, got, you, got three guys, you, you got three guys that can get their own shot. That can get and their own can, shot. Vinny, you can get your own shot. We know that about you. <laughs> Vinny Goodwill. That's gonna go in your in your in your obit and your tombstone. Could get his own shot. <laughs> is there a greater compliment than that you could get your own shot? There is no greater compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, man. Appreciate Thank you. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. 
This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The other team had all their guys in, too. Um, the last five minutes of the game, we made the run the last minute of that game, uh, right before that. That's when we got up 29. Um, after Joel made the shot and did the airplane, if you watch the game, I turned and said, let's get, I'm calling a timeout on the next possession. So, not upset that he was in. You can make that a big deal if you want. But uh, just go and look at every team and every game and their guys are in until about the four, three-minute mark. I guess. Okay. Okay, Doc. If you say so. If you say so. Uh, but you're down the first two games at least uh, without with Joel Embiid as Kurt Healing for basketball. ProBasketballTalk.com joins us NBC Sports. Um, the word is, Kurt, that uh, Embiid's going to try to play games three and four. Is your expectation, he didn't even go to Miami, uh, is your expectation that by then it may be too late? Yeah, if you're down 0-2 to the number one seed, and a team, by the way, that's Bam Adebayo is the kind of guy who can at least give Joel Embiid trouble as much as anybody can. He's a little undersized, but he's strong, he's quick, he's going to be in the right place. Uh, as much as anybody can, it, like it's not going to be easy to score for them on Miami uh, unless you're a believer that James Harden, now with, with all this time off, will suddenly <laughs> resurrect Houston James Harden. I don't think Miami look Miami's already the number one seed they're not going to be a pushover in this series this was a six or seven game series to me before Embiid got hurt and without Embiid they started a 0-2 hole you could beat Miami four out of five I just I just don't see it I don't think that I don't think even with Embiid coming back and assuming he's back to being his MVP level self I still don't see it all right listen Kurt and Michael I need you both to help me understand me, okay? Because I look at the <laughs> Miami Heat, and in the playoffs, I give them props. In the regular season, even when they're the number one seed, I go, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I don't know. And then it just takes me. I, I don't. What is it? They got Jimmy Butler. They got Bam Adebayo. They got an instant score off the bench. They're brilliantly coached by Eric Spolstra. Wait, Why wait, does it wait. take just people to make, like just me? To make sure, just to make sure I understood it. You said you, you give them props in the regular season, but not the playoffs? No, just the opposite. I give them props in the playoffs. Oh, right, right. Playoffs, and, not the regular season. In the right. regular yeah, season. Yeah, okay, gotcha. In the regular yeah, season, okay. I go, eh, I don't know. Okay. Eh, I'm okay. looking, I'm looking okay. for something more exciting, but then in yeah. the playoffs, yeah. I appreciate them. My what do you think that is, Kurt? Gotcha. I mean, is it just a, a blind spot I have or... Do you, can you understand? Is it the style that Miami plays that's yeah. kind of tough to warm up to? They're boring. They're not enough drama. <laughs> they're, there's no. They're not doing. You know, hey, let's trade for James Harden in the middle of the season. Our their uh, star forward isn't holding out. They're not going with the mountains of drama in Lakerland that went on this year. Like our attention gets drawn to all these shiny, bright new objects. Like, hey. Are Rudy Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell getting along today? Like, are they dining next to each other now? 
all that stuff kind of draws our attention in Miami because of their culture and style. They just keep kind of marching along. They had a fantastic regular season. What you mean they, they had, like you said, they're fight, win... They fight on the sideline once in a while now. They, they, yeah, you know, they, they had a big fight. That was fun. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about a lot of mileage out of that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I just I think that because of the call, that's true. And that you could see when was the last time you saw Eric Spolster that heated? Like, I don't think yeah. he was that fired up when Ray Allen hit the corner three and he yeah. was fired up in that one. Um, all that said, I just I think that because they're kind of efficient and a little bit boring, we look right past them. But when they bring it together and Jimmy when Jimmy Butler's Jimmy Butler, when he's yeah. able to create in the half court, they're going to miss Lowry some in this series. But when they've got Jimmy Butler creating in the half court, they're they're really, really an elite team. Even, well, even though Jimmy Butler was an import, and obviously Lowry was an import, I think uh, it's not just lack of drama for the most part. It's um, it's also other teams were kind of like more built overnight, more of a microwave approach. Whether that's yeah. Brooklyn, whether that's Philadelphia. You know, they would be kind of like look at them and be like, oh, okay. Or, and, and the Celtics have been dominant, the best team in the league for 2022. So I think it was easy to kind of overlook Miami as number one seed by default because the Bucks didn't want it or because the Sixers or somebody else wasn't capable of actually taking it. Um, switching to the Western Conference now in tonight's game. Um, Phoenix survived the Pelicans, survived a little bit of a scare. Uh, with the Pelicans. Not Michael was never scared, but other people might have been a little nervous. Um, but now, seriously, they, they, they should, there's, a, there's a fear factor to Dallas and Luka Doncic that, is, that should and is very real. Not that he's got that one series. First series for the franchise in 2011. Luka Doncic has finally got a series. Is he about to go for two? Who do you like in, the, in that Western, Western Conference semifinal series? I like Phoenix. Um, I think, A, they've got as good a defender as you can throw it with Miles. Uh, I mean, Mikhail Bridges. If they can get Miles Bridges, that would help. But with Mikhail Bridges, <laughs> they've got, um, you know, as good a defender as you're going to be able to throw at Luka. You're going to obviously have to give him different looks and different everything. Um, that said, they've got the one other thing. They're going to punish them inside. You will see them do this. They did it to the Lakers this year when they went small. Anybody who goes small against them. For DeAndre Ayton, if he's going to get that max contract this offseason, he earns it this series. He pounds them inside, makes them pay a price for playing Maxi Cleaver and, and Dwight Powell and undersized guys at the five. The challenge is those undersized guys hit fives. Luka gets rolling. Like, I, Dallas is not going to make this easy. This is a – I think they win at least two games in this series. And, again, it could be more if – there's that Luca magic, man. Like he is the guy most capable in this series. With all due respect to Chris Paul and Devin Booker, and and we'll see how much that is. It 80% Devin Booker, 90%. Where is he? Luca's the one guy who could just come in and steamroll everybody, right? Like if Luca Luca could win two games in this series for Dallas, and we'd all be like, yeah, whatever. I could see that. I mean, don't you think yeah. that that's the challenge? Absolutely. And I, and obviously, I'm, I'm on the Dallas bandwagon just to stay on brand with this show. <laughs> I, I am contractually obligated to pick against every uh, but to pick every Phoenix Suns opponent for no other reason than to troll. Uh, so, that, so, that, so that's 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 what just exactly. just so you know where I'm at. So I, I, I appreciate all the uh, all the ammunition there. But with no, that aside, I, look, with, with with trolling aside, Kurt, now wouldn't you be so would you be shocked if Dallas I, I, I don't think anybody's surprised if Dallas makes it competitive. 
Would you be shocked if Dallas wins the series? Let's say, you know, Booker's there. Luca's there. They got their guys and they trot out their normal lineups. It would stun me to see Dallas win four games in a series. How about you? I, yeah, I still think Phoenix, especially if Booker's back, is they're just they're on that 2014 Spurs mission, right? Where they got really close to the finals and then Spurs lost and kind of came back had a good regular season, but then steamrolled everybody in the playoffs. I, I, I feel like that's where the Suns are. Like they've got gears they can still hit and they're just playing better than anybody else. But this is the first, I mean, the Pelicans tested them some on that. I think this is a much bigger test because Luca's a future MVP. He's not winning it this year, but like, yeah, exactly. He is the guy capable of dominating the seat. He, he very well could lose this series as the best player in this series, right? Like, like we, like I thought was going to happen with Giannis, but uh, apparently not. Um, hey. He's been. Oh, I'm sorry. He's been. You want to finish it off? No, I was going to say he's just he's so he's so elite that it's possible. But I still think the Suns. I think that this is the series. Like I said, I think DeAndre Ayton has a big series. They just pound them inside. They use their size, and this is such a. They're such an adaptable, versatile team. That's like the hard thing about the Suns is man, like scheme versatility. We, how do you want us to play? We'll beat you that way. Yeah. Hey, uh, clock's running down, but let's get two for one. Let's get a two for one here before we let you go, Kurt. Um, just want to talk to you about the futures of two teams that lost in the first round and are connected by their New Orleans roots. That would be the <laughs> Pelicans, who Zion Williamson pledged his allegiance to in a way that you yeah. people expect it. We've been talking for years like he never wanted to be there in the first place. He said he can't sign an extension fast enough. He said on record and the Jazz, who everybody's been trying to break up. They don't look like they want to be together. Rumors around Rudy Gobert, rumors around Donovan Mitchell, rumors around Quinn Snyder coaching the Lakers. So give us your read on both those futures. Now that those guys have been eliminated, both the Pelicans and the Jazz, please. The Pelicans, I think will. I think that they got some CJ McCollum gave him a center, gave him an idea, gave an identity sort of like they know who they are, what they want to be. I maybe Zion wants to be part of that. Maybe Zion still wants to get out and go to New York or wherever. But I can tell you what his agent's telling him is what every agent is telling their client. Go grab that bag. Go get that money. If you want to get moved, get that money and then we'll do it in a year. We'll do it in two years. The other one with Utah. Look, I think they're breaking. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Kurt. Hold on, Kurt. Hold on, Kurt. All right. I mean, Ronnie, it, it, would, it would not be, it would not be a Kurt Heel uh, uh, appearance. <laughs> I love it. Without without yeah, some exactly. animal without saying, wrap it up. Wrap, What's the dog's name? Wrap again? it up, B. <laughs> What's the dog's name? That, that's Ronnie, and Ronnie apparently hates the Jazz. I've, I've now learned. So I guess <laughs> every time you talk, jazz. <laughs> we now know. <laughs> Every time we talk, yeah. So, uh, no, he's yeah. What? It, yeah, he, he's yeah. What's he's the Ronnie's most last name? Of my dogs. What's his Laws. last name? Mitchell or Snyder? <laughs> he hates the Jazz. <laughs> no, but, yeah, but go ahead. But go ahead and finish he, he, with all the Pelicans Ronnie, and Jazz. Yeah, Ronnie really does not want Quinn Snyder to coach the Lakers. He's very concerned okay. about that. Uh, all right. <laughs> no, they're gonna look. I think Snyder might want out. I, does he feel he's run his course? Because he's at the like a point where he can get a job anywhere. I think the Jazz want to keep him, but they're going to have to spend a little. 
I don't say spend money, but they're going to have to woo him in the sense of like, hey, we're going to be able to run the style you want. Um, they want to rebuild around Donovan. Like I said, I, I'll just say, I, everybody around the league is waiting to see them break this thing up, uh, starting with them mm -hmm. trying to trade Donovan Mitchell. I mean, not Donovan Mitchell, sorry. Trying to trade Rudy Gobert, but the, but the big question is, A, there are teams that like him, but there's teams that will trade for him or another thing. Remember, he's got like three years of max left, so we'll see. The other, I'm just not sure the market's that huge for him. That said, the real question to me is still, does Donovan want to be there? You can't rebuild around Donovan if he's going to force his way out. Maybe he wants to stay. He's Maybe he'll come out and say all the right things, but that's the other shoe that's got to drop. If he doesn't want to be there, then you're going to see Utah pivot. Maybe they rebuild around Gobert. But one way or another, those two guys are not playing together next year. And I'd say 50-50 chance there's a new coach. But it's they do. I think it's it's because Snyder wants out more than the Jazz want to dump him. Hey, man, we appreciate mm. you and Ronnie. It's, honestly, it's just <laughs> it's, 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 a it's become a tradition. It is a cover tradition. A tradition, we, we, we tradition unlike any time, other. Yeah. We heard it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Kurt Yellen, ProBasketballTalk.com, NBCSports.com. Thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Take care, man. All right. All right, Kurt. Thank you. That, that little dog is a trip. <laughs> Just, Love it. Ronnie. Like, I, don't care if you, I don't care if you're on TV. Don't want to be left out. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, I told you Yahoo's Eric at home put in work on his mock draft. We talked about it on Friday. This is according to NFL mock draft database. 1,375 mock drafts. Double E came in second. Nailed it. And uh, he joins us now to recap the weekend now that it is in the books. And uh, again, uh, way to go. Spot on on a lot of rankings and uh, and fits and and range and, and speaking of fits I want to focus in on the quarterback so eventually did go yeah. uh, though obviously not as early as, as as we thought I mean they went later than we thought and we knew that the league was pretty down in his quarterback class and nonetheless uh, after Kenny Pickett it took until Desmond Ritter uh, mm -hmm. in the second round until we heard uh, another quarterback call but Desmond Ritter's in Atlanta Malik Willis is in Tennessee Mm -hmm. Matt Corral's in Carolina. I love the value for the teams. I love the fits for the players because as we know a lot of times with quarterbacks, especially it's not when you're drafted, but where you're drafted. Who yeah. has the best opportunity uh, among these three guys to really either win the job but not just win the starting job eventually sooner rather than later, but succeed given the infrastructure in a place like Tennessee, for example. Yeah, Malik's landing spot is fascinating. I mean, I had the Titans as a team that possibly could draft a quarterback, right? We saw Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. Not so great. Um, you know, you oh, sort third of got one. the I'm sorry. I said, sorry, I said second round for Desmond Ritter. No, he was the second yeah, quarterback yeah, yeah. taken. 
three second third quarterback, round quarterback. Beg your right? Yeah, beg your pardon. And yeah. before Willis, right? I mean, I don't know that that was a scenario that it, that any, you know a lot of people foresaw. So yeah, it was it was really. You know, the Titans only sent their quarterback coach to Willis's pro day. I don't think they really envisioned taking him in round one, but, you know, they did just enough background work on him so that when this fall started, they could have discussions. I think they like Ritter too. So, I mean, I think third round, they were they were suddenly interested. And, you know, maybe, look, the guy I sort of compared him to, and Willis has no comp, is Steve McNair. A big, thick build, Ooh. strong guy, strong arm, you know, came from a, a atypical offense at Alcorn State. Same with Willis at Liberty, right? There's not a whole lot of translation. So I had to go way back. There just aren't a lot of guys like him. And so that, you know, you think about, took him a couple of years, but once he got in there, you know, he got to that MVP level and got to a Super Bowl. And I mean, who knows, right? I think it, it may end in a weird sort of way, end up being a really good spot for him. I would throw Sam, um, uh, Sam Howell in, uh, in Washington yeah. there too. Yeah. I mean, first pick yeah. of the fifth round, that's nothing. And if you don't like them, you move on from them like any other fifth round pick. I, I, it, it could work out well for them, too. And for those kids, there's just no pressure, right, Michael? You know, it's just much less yeah, pressure. That's right. To play right away that's and, right. and I, to be I was, a franchise savior. You know what? I got to say, uh, when it comes to this, I know uh, you and others uh, talked about this, Eric, with the quarterbacks. You know, it could be some guys could be overdrafted. Some guys can mm. really slide. And I'd say, you know, based on that chart right there, the market has spoken. So, I mean, they looked at them as, uh, you know, a bunch of, especially the guys we talked about, maybe a bunch of second and third rounders, mostly third rounders. But I want to ask right. you this. It's a blessing in disguise. I, I think a, a great position to be in, uh, but it's fascinating, is to be a team with a great quarterback, but you got to build receivers around them. And that's mm. Kansas City, and that's Green Bay, where Kansas City loses Tyreek, and and Green Bay obviously loses Devontae Adams, and now you got to recover. What did you think of the recovery efforts when it came to the draft of Kansas City, um, and and with Green Bay? I kept telling Packers fans, I kept saying. I think it's like 50-50 that they take a wide receiver in round one. I know, you know the feeling was, okay, we got 22, we got 28, we got this thing. Somebody will fall to us. But Dotson went seventh, uh, 16th or whatever it was. You know, Burks came off the board in between the two picks. And I think they just sort of felt like, you know, we really like Quay Walker, 22, we were behind that pick. Devontae Wyatt, they didn't expect to be there. A couple Georgia defenders. It's not what it, you know, the, the fans wanted, but they this is how they put together a board a couple years ago when they had Rashawn Gary at number 12, and everybody cried then. Guess what? He's pretty good all of a sudden. So they're not going to change their approach. I mean, they're still, you know, free agents if they want to comb the market and say, all right, we'll go get so-and-so. And I want to warn people, like Christian Watson is a, is a neat prospect. I mean, he's, he's springy. He is a you know, off the assembly line, Green Bay Packers wide receiver. That's the kind of guy they look like. How long did it take Jordy Nelson to become Rogers guy? What, three, four years? Devontae Adams, remember he, they wanted to run him out of town. The fans did after two years. So Christian Watson may be no better than their fourth receiver this year. So it's going to be Sammy Watkins and, you know, Alan Lazard and another year of Randall Cobb and maybe Amari Rogers. And I mean, it just, you have to have patience there. Kansas City, I, I mean, I love what they did. Yeah, Sky Moore is going to help him at receiver, but really just pumping up that defense for, I think the dirty little secret with the Chiefs last year was that they kind of lost their edge a little bit towards the end of the year. Yeah, the Bills game was amazing, right? But 
and there were times when they just sat back and let Pat kind of go win it. And the defense was giving up, you know, tracks of yards and they went out and got a lot of hungry people and let Tyran Matthew go. That's a pretty big statement right there. So they went against the grain, but I think it'll end up working out for both, uh, maybe more so for Kansas City. And I love the Justin Ross. We were talking about it earlier. Absolutely love the Justin yeah. Ross undrafted free agent signing, given his talent. Fingers crossed that he remains healthy. Yo, man, it is never too soon to look ahead to the 2023 draft. I know <laughs> you're already working on it, all right? Um, yeah. Whether it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Spencer Rattler, big, better, bigger and better year for quarterbacks. But I know Michael was fascinated by Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, from his <sighs> Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Man, I'm all I'm all about Will Anderson. Like, I, yes. I'm, I'm, like, will these quarterbacks definitely beat out Will Anderson for number one overall pick? Right, and Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith. I mean, first of all, how does Georgia have more defensive players that could go in the top ten? I don't understand that, but right. amazing what they've done there. In seven rounds, yeah. Yeah. Total, After yeah. six <laughs> guys on defense drafted a year ago, and Jermaine Johnson transferring, yeah. it's it's crazy. But you're right. I mean, next year's quarterback class. You know, off the, you know, at this point, looks pretty, pretty exciting. CJ Stroud, what he did last year. Now, Bryce Young, I think, is shorter than all of us. Pretty, I'm pretty sure he's about 5'10, you know, so you, he's not really a runner. That's going to be a hang up for some, but throwing the ball, decisions, maturity. I mean, poise, he's got it all. Tyler Van Dyke at Miami, young guy, but he could be exciting. Anthony Richardson at Florida, what an athlete, what a player. Phil Jerkovich at BC. I mean, there's a lot of names. Last year, we kind of sort of knew the the five or six names, and it was really the top five or six guys this year, minus a name or two. And it wasn't exciting then, and it didn't end up being exciting. I give the NFL teams a lot of credit for not overdrafting quarterbacks this year. Yeah, And I think sure. it was because they had one eye on 2023, and this class could be really, really interesting. And it'll just be interesting to see what changes, Eric, between now and then, because this time last year, wasn't Spencer Rapp Rattler, the favorite to go number one. So yeah, a lot could Rattler change first, between, Howell between second. Drafts. Right. Yeah. There, yeah. Who would be one right. right now? Real quick. Who would yeah. be one right now? If we had to call I, it right now in in May, who's who's the favorite to be number one? I'm putting a nickel on Stroud with uh yeah. I mean the, the what they bring back and everything they you know Smith and Jig was amazing. Uh, I think I think C.J. Stroud right now would be my favorite, but I don't want to give him the the Rattler curse either. Eric, you are our number one pick, the total package, brother. Thank you so much. Appreciate you dropping the knowledge. Take a break, why don't you? You earned it. All right, I'll go play with that dog. I wish he could have made an appearance here today. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> All right, man. Thanks a lot. See you guys. Ronnie the dog. Thanks, Eric. Man, if it ain't one thing, it's another in Arizona. Wow. So this afternoon, DeAndre Hopkins popped six games for violating the performance enhancing drug policy makes that uh, Marquise Brown acquisition that much more critical and also kind of maybe informs the decision making behind trading a first round pick by the way we didn't really kind of like harp on that too much last week but Marquise Brown for a first round pick especially when you think about AJ well, Brown going for a first and third I mean Marquise you know Brown, what I, you know what he I, was he was he was taken in the first round but a first round yeah. pick for him is a pretty good return for Marquise Brown. I know but nonetheless, it's not the story. Arizona has yet another problem. Um, yeah, yeah. With that with that franchise. You know, it's not the story, but in the small print to be discussed another day, I just find there's a little hate from you when it comes to Marquise Brown. Like you ain't really feeling no, it's it, brother. Not hate. Like you made No, it's not you no, made no, enough. it's not hate. 
No, it's not. If you made enough comments, hate. sports he's hate. Just, sports he's hate. not, sport, not, he's like not elite. It ain't personal. He's not elite. No, not even professional hate. He's not elite. That doesn't mean he's bad. That doesn't mean he's terrible. He's I think he might be. receiver called 91 balls. I mean, I think there's I think a big difference be between. Elite. Okay. He has elite speed. I think he might be elite. He's just been in a, a, the wrong kind of offense for him. And, well, and, that's, that's, that, that's, it. that's what he believes. And he certainly got and, six more games to prove it. Because <laughs> he talked about the need for two number ones, not just to keep the defense honest, not just to threaten the defense from all parts of the field, not just support your franchise quarterback who still needs a contract extension. But now Marquise Brown has to step into those number one shoes because Hopkins is out. He has withdrawn his appeal according to Ian Rappaport suspended without pay for the first six games. So Marquise Brown with his old friend uh, Kyler Murray should Kyler see a lot Murray. of volume for at least six games. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a um, it's a big hit for for Arizona, but not huge because unfortunately they know what it's like to play without DeAndre Hopkins. He was out uh, last year four and, times so and they how had, they look not that they were great. I was gonna say not that it was great, oh, bad, but at yeah, least it was bad. At least they know how to prepare for it. They got AJ Green coming back. They've traded for Marquise Brown. Uh, hopeful that they can get my our guy Rondell Moore healthy this year. Uh, he was promising, but he only wound up for like just just under 500 yards receiving last year. They lose Christian Kirk, yeah. so I think they have enough to get by. They drafted an, they drafted another tight end, a tight end, uh, McBride, Curiously, number one tight end. A lot, a lot, yeah, a lot of people are like, why did they take another tight end? They just extended Zach Ertz. Well, there's that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we're figuring yeah. this out. So the the crazy offseason continues. I mean, what else is going to happen? What else is going to happen? Sure. Uh, so to this, wide uh, receivers, Some, something involving season. wide receivers like, like put your money on something happening to a wide receiver, whether he's traded extended or in this case suspended. Uh, you're still talking about a guy, you know, like obviously we've talked about this. It changes. Um, it changes when from year to year when a guy like Cooper Cup, who I don't know that a year ago people would have called him the best receiver in the league and goes out and wins a triple crown. Debo Samuel was really good and he comes in this year and decides to invent a new position. So he's in your best receiving a league conversation. But in terms of body of work over an extended period of time, we're not just talking about anybody getting suspended six games. We're talking about one of the best receivers in the NFL for, for many years running in DeAndre Hopkins uh, and the focal point of that passing game. So it's no small loss. I do agree with you. That there are enough pieces to collectively replace his production. But they failed yeah. in that regard last year. We'll see if they could do better this time around. In an unforgiving yeah, I'm division. Just to, yeah, I'm trying to think, Mike. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, we don't get a lot of PED suspensions. Yeah, not as much. Uh, uh, in football, feels like, feels like not as much. But like. wide receivers? Can you think of a lot of wide receivers who have? Has it been a wide receiver kind of thing? I can't think well, of a lot of mean? wide receivers. What do you? But what do you? But what, what do you mean? Why is that curious for you? Well, Why is okay. So I'm just off the top of my head when I think of PEDs and guys who have been who have been caught. Most of the time they're on defense. I can think of a couple linebackers. You know, well, Bob Miller, uh, Sean well, Merriman. Well, caught for, I remember. Well, well, caught for what though? Caught for what? If it, we're not talking about the we're not necessarily. We don't know what we're talking about. But we're not necessarily talking well, about. That's what I'm saying. Before just just PEDs, it hasn't been a. Oh, how, okay. Who's the last wide receiver got caught for one? I can't remember. Like maybe I just haven't been Prob paying attention. Pro pro 
probably this, this probably David Boston. That's probably not fair, but he comes to mind as a as a bulked up wide receiver. But if you only yeah. narrow the PED conversation to bulking up and getting stronger, then I, I get where you're coming from. But it could be recovery. It could be it could be a, a lot of a things. substance yeah. that was that was in something else that he took. He could have ingested a banned substance, not looking for a performance enhancer or or an edge in terms of his performance. Not like he's needed it. And he tested positive for something that was on the banned substance list. So it's not necessarily he was doing something intentionally wrong to improve or bulk up or get stronger oh, no. or whatever. I'm not. I don't so know I what don't, he did. What well, I'm just saying. Right. Just, so I'm, I'm just saying just a wide receiver. Generally, you know, you generally don't hear it. You don't hear it that much uh, in, in football. You really don't. You don't hear it that much in football or in baseball, for that matter. So it's a little. It's surprising uh, to hear yeah. that about DeAndre Hopkins. I don't I don't hate Marquise Brown at all. I don't. I just don't think he was worth the first round pick. But hey, you work with somebody's willing to pay for you and they needed him. That's right. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.